Good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you are in the world and you're listening to this, I greet you. Thank you, my peoples, for tuning in. I'm Jeffrey Martin, your host, and this is Right Away Podcast. Um, thank you for your support. Thank you for um, giving me a little bit of your time. Hopefully I say something of significance or something that um, will touch you or move you in some kind of way, in a positive way. That's the goal here. Thanks again. It's um, November 28th or 29th. I'm not sure, but it's late November. Uh, Turkey Day was yesterday. Um, so whatever that makes today, that's what it is. But thank you all for tuning in. Um, I'm gonna, I want to talk about today um, is um, interviewing Noam Chomsky. Uh, for those of you who don't know who he is, he's a linguistic um, professor. Uh, now he's at the, in Arizona teaching, professor in Arizona. But for years he was at MIT. But um, what what really was uh, instrumental in me aligning this thing all up is I've always admired the guy, him standing up to the greatest country in the world has ever known, him standing up against it uh, and things that he thought were injustice, uh, unfair, uh, uh, things that were going on around the world and that America had something to do with. Uh, sitting down to talk to him was all that I, all that I imagined, really. It really was. Um, I had to drive from California to, um, to Tucson, Arizona. It was worth it. Me and a couple of friends, a couple of us, um, three of us, me and a couple of good friends uh, who were going to film and, and record what was going to happen between me and Mr. Chomsky. We went and it was, it was worth it. It was worth it. Everything seemed like it seemed to line up. And um, just a very, you know, uh, somebody told me after this was all said and done, I went to work uh, the next day or the day after or whatever, and I was talking about the experience. And this guy mentioned that a lot of times it's not good to re meet your heroes or people that you really admire because a lot of times they let you down. But in this case, I can truly say, that um, if anything, it took me even higher. It really did. It, w it was more than I expected. And that's saying a lot because I expected quite a bit. Um, sitting down and talking to him and asking some questions and you know being able to go back and forth with him, dialogue with him. It was more than I expected. The guy um, is just so approachable. You know, somebody that's in that kind of a light, limelight, as, as people say, um, they're usually not that approachable. They're usually, usually skeptical about people approaching them. Um, they got a zillion people around them protecting them or trying or opposing to protect them, whatever the case may be. This guy is so unassuming. Um, his wife was very nice. Uh, very, just, just beautiful people, beautiful people. And um, early on, like one of the reasons, I, I never really liked the college classroom. And uh, I love reading and, and education and all that, but the classroom was always, in many cases, so bland and boring. And, and it always felt like the professors were hiding behind their education instead of expanding on it. Not all professors, of course, but just too many of them, in my, in my opinion. Uh, but they didn't seem like approachable people. They, they really didn't. So when I get to the linguistic department where Mr. Chomsky is, where his office is, I have that same feeling. I really do. I go in there and there's some people in their office, some professors in their office, and it has that same feeling I'm like, oh my God, it's bland. Um, in this office, I guess they don't see many black people. I don't know what it is. But anyway, uh, it was 
it felt kind of tense because there's three black guys showing up in this office. I guess they didn't see that very often. I don't know. But it felt like um, everything was kind of forced. You know, people were speaking, but it felt like, oh, my God. It felt, un you could tell that they were uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I said to one of the guys, I think I mentioned to him before, that I hope Mr. Chomsky isn't anything like these guys. Not to say they were bad people. It was ladies. I think it was one guy and a couple of ladies or whatever. But anyway, um, I hope he's not bland and sterile and, and, and you know, tense. And, and He was nothing like that. He was absolutely nothing like that. I think when Noam Chomsky looks at you, he looks at another soul. I really do. I really do. He didn't look, he looked past all of that nonsense. When he walked in, he was on a, walking with a cane with his wife. Um, I approached him and I was like a kid in the candy store because this was what I had wanted to do probably from like 25 years ago I wanted to meet this guy and I, I had a feeling I would meet him one day I just didn't know when so I'm all excited and I greet him like I'm all excited and I tell him hey I'm that crazy poet that, want, that wanted to interview you and he knows who I am but from that point on it was just so it, it was just a beautiful experience it was it felt like it felt like it was just destined to happen. Now, I don't want to get all preachy and religious and all of that stuff because I'm not that, or I try not to be at least. Um, but it felt like it was just pre-ordained. I don't know. It just felt like it was supposed to happen. And so uh, we go into his office and he's asking us, um, well, so where should I sit? What? Just a humble guy. It's like um, he's doing us a favor. I mean, you know, it's like we're doing him a favor. That's what it, the way he's coming off is like, we're doing him a favor. But actually, he was doing us a favor. He was just such a humble, beautiful guy. Oh, let me let me backtrack. Okay, so before he actually comes out, he had another group. And he, I guess he has people coming from all over the place. Uh, we met one guy that was, had drove from, had driven from um, Florida, uh, not Florida, from, from uh, Georgia to see him. He was going to be after us. Then he had a group that he was seeing when we arrived that they weren't finished yet, interviewing him or whatever they were doing. And um, so I say to my friend, man, he's going to be tired by the time he gets to us. That's what I thought. I'm like, man, he's going to be irritable and ready to get out of there and go home and have coffee or tea or whatever. Nothing like that. This guy is so energized, so energized. He was just ready to roll. So his wife, now I know, his wife asked us before everything got started, said, please kind of keep it to 30 minutes because Noam will talk. Um, as long as you want to talk to Noam, Noam will talk to you. So that let me know. But he was so energized, he wasn't tired at all. Not in the least. Um, so we get in his office. Uh, he asked us where he should sit. Like, he's doing us a favor. I mean, like, we're doing him a favor. And no, he's actually doing us a favor. This guy is so hum humble. And he has... Before I got there, I had planned how I, not really planned, but I had some things I wanted to I definitely had questions ready for him. But I had I had written him a poem. It was his birthday is December 7th. So it's coming up. So I got him a sweater because he seemed like a sweater guy and I got him a journal. So I had that in a box. And on top of the box, I had a poem that I had written for him taped to the box. So I read the poem. And then another thing that I had planned to do was Bertrand Russell is one of my Another one of my um, heroes. I just love Bertrand Russell. is a, a deep cat. He has a huge... So in Noam's office, he has this huge picture of Bertrand Russell. I'm like, man, isn't that ironic 
that he has a picture of Bertrand Russell. And I want to read a quote that reminded me of Noam Chomsky written by or said by um, Bertrand Russell. So it seemed like everything was falling into, into um, alignment. It really, it was beautiful. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm a poet. So I, I figure I'm, I'm a little bit good with words. I'm, I'm pretty good with words. But I really, you know, on meeting him and sitting down and talking to him for over 30 minutes, it went over 30 minutes, but sitting down and talking to him for over 30 minutes, I, I really don't have the words for how inspired I am. And the goal with this was to, out of our conversation, create poetry out of it. I remember when I first told him that, probably a few years ago, two or three years ago, when I emailed him and said that was my plan, he thought that was really interesting because no one had ever come to him like that before and said they wanted to create poetry out of a conversation with him. But that's what I wanted to do. But as I look back on it now, um, it's going to be really difficult because I don't have words for it. I really don't have words for it. I'm going to, I'm going to go into the, the bank, the, the, the mind bank and the heart bank as much as I can, but I really don't have words for it. It was undescribable. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was really, really amazing. The guy is so unassuming. Um, has written, I don't know, a zillion books. I've read a bunch of them, uh, a high percentage of them. But in reading those, I felt like I knew him somewhat. Just because I, I know, you know, I know how he feels about certain uh, things going on around the world, how opinionated he is, um, how studied he is, how learned he is. But sitting down and talking to him was a totally different thing. I knew the intellectual known, or at least I thought I did. Just from reading all of his stuff, watching his, watching, um, uh, YouTube videos about his um, his speeches and and things like that, but sitting down with him and getting re getting to know the the Noam Chomsky that few people see, it was amazing. It was really amazing. Um, he had all this energy at I think he's eighty nine. He's gonna be ninety on the seventh. I think having all this intellectual energy, you know, just an amazing guy to be in the room with. It, it really was. He um. You know, and a couple of times, I, I forgot what I asked him, but I asked him a couple of questions. He said, you know, I don't, I don't know. That one I'm not sure about. What are your thoughts on it? <laughs> and, I, and I'm thinking, woo, Noam Chomsky asking me a question about my thoughts on something. And it kind of, I was like, uh, I don't, you know, it kind of got me. I usually have something to come back with. But I didn't have anything to come back with. But I was just uh, kind of intimidated by him asking me a question about something I had questioned him about. But it was just a beautiful person. Just a beautiful, beautiful person. And he said something. He said it a couple of times. He said, um, you're different. You're peculiar. You're a little different. And I guess because he had a picture of um, of uh, Father Romero, you know, the guy that had been assassinated in El Salvador. And I said, wow, that's a good picture of Father Romero. And he said, oh, you know who that is? I said, yeah. He said, man, nobody has come in my office has ever known who that was. And I, I, I don't know if they got this on tape, but I said... Um, well, Mr. Chomsky, I'm like you. I read everything. <laughs> You're my hero, so I'm going to read everything. I'm not going to come to your office and not have read something and studied some stuff. So, um, And that got him. You know, that got him. So you know what it felt like? It felt like to, I, the kind of person I am, I don't do the sports thing too much anymore. I, I really it's just, I, I, I got tired of that. Um, but it's not really too many things from a media standpoint that I really get excited about. What I do get excited about is learning in books. So when you get you get to talk about books and something and philosophy and 
whatever the topic may be, we start talking about something that elevates the mind or, or something that um that involves research, I get excited. So I think one of the reasons that it went so well between me and him is it was like two kids in a candy store and we're talking about our favorite things, books, um, philosophy, politics. We're talking about things that we both really get excited about. So I guess somebody that loves sports, if they get in the room with somebody that loves sports, wow, it's a, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. But for us, it was books. And I think that's why it went so well, so well, because I, we just we were on the same page as far as that it was it was it was amazing it was amazing we uh i think the interview went went a little over 30 minutes or so i uh, still putting that all together but it was just a beautiful beautiful experience i felt like um i gained a friend and oh what i was going to say too is i didn't come there i didn't come there as a student i didn't come there as a journalist i didn't come there as a politician i didn't go to that office wanting anything from Noam Chomsky. What I was is somebody that admired his work, admired his mind, and wanted to sit down and speak with him, talk with him, just ask him some questions, go back and forth. That was my only goal. I didn't want anything. I didn't want to advance my career or um, do it for a class or tell people. I No, I, I really, it was a really personal thing. I, I really just wanted to sit down with this man and and sit and talk to him. And two people I have always wanted to do that with, and it was Noam Chomsky and Dick Gregory. Dick Gregory passed before I could do it, and I shouldn't have dragged my feet. I should have tried that because I felt the same vibe that I felt with Noam Chomsky, or I feel with Noam Chomsky, I felt with Dick Gregory. I had just had a feeling that if I sat down with him, we would be, it would be such a beautiful discussion. I didn't, I didn't get an opportunity to do that before Mr. Gregory passed, but I did get a chance to do it with Noam Chomsky. So half of my bucket list, I at least got. So, but it was it was life changing. It was life changing. Um, I've never been one to. Um, I don't want to live till ninety and one hundred. I really don't. But if I can get to eighty nine or ninety and be as alive mentally as Noam Chomsky is, or inspire people much younger than himself like he does, then ninety is okay. It doesn't seem too bad. You know, he's he's really an inspiration. Um, beautiful person, and he and and what you see is what you get with him. You know he's not he's not trying to impress anybody. He's not he's just speaking. He's speaking from the soul. That's what it feels like to me. He's speaking from the soul, and when you speak from the soul, uh, there is no impressing to be done. You know you're speaking from um, what you really feel. I don't I don't think this man. Um, and I've heard people go at him really aggressively. I don't know. I can't see him being filled with hate. I can't see him. Maybe it's some people that he dislikes because they're just not good people. But I can't see him coming from a place of hate. I, I just couldn't see it being around him. He's just a wonderful, wonderful person. I'm not sure how he stays like that. As stoic and as bland and as sterile as the co college campus can be sometimes I don't know how he maintains that because his peers not all the time because I'm sure he's got some great peers but to me from outside looking in seems like it's a very sterile hiding behind their education kind of thing that goes on there but he's not that way at all he's, he's just a wonderful wonderful person it's um I've had a few things that have been life-changing you know one of the reasons I read so much 
was coming out of situations where somebody inspired me to read. Oh, I have to say this. Thinking about that, I asked him, Mr. Chomsky, you've inspired me. You've inspired a lot of people. What inspires you? And I know he would probably refer to Bertrand Russell because he had him on the um, on the wall. Uh, Father Romero, he had Martin Luther King on the wall. So I knew some some of the answer, but I wanted to know what really, what made him, I wanted to know what made him catch fire like he did and, and go the route that he did. And he said something that almost brought a tear to my eye because I say this all the time in my own way, though. He said, it's the no names. He said, it's the people that nobody will know their name, remember them, but the no names who do brave things every day. Every day, the no names. It's the people like the, the mother who has one child, but his three or four children that need a ride to school in a heavily gang populated area. And she goes by and picks up these other kids that are not related to her and gets them to school every day. Those are the no names, you know, and that's who he was talking about. He said, those are the people who inspired him, the people that have everything to lose, but get out there and do it anyway. They have everything to lose, everything to lose and nothing to gain, but they get out there and do it every single day. He said, that's what inspires him. And I thought that was beautiful. I thought that was beautiful. He said, history doesn't write about the no names, but those are the important people. Those are the important people. And when he said that, it just, I had to kind of um, pause for a minute because it, it really hit me. And that's, I believe that so much. And I mentioned to him that writers have such a huge responsibility because we can speak for those who can't speak for themselves or who don't have the, um, uh, don't have the resources to speak for themselves sometimes. And uh, so we agreed on that, but it was it was it was absolutely beautiful. I also asked him, um, what makes it? Why would he come from his? You know, he's he's pretty comfortable. He could be a lot more comfortable. Um, you know, a lot of people live behind their gated communities in their ivory towers, and they may see something that bothers them, and may say something about it but they don't do anything about it. They don't put their lives on the line. They don't put their careers on the line. And I asked him about that and he said, as a kid, even as a kid, when something bothered him, he had to speak on it. So he knew that was the course of his life. When something bothered him, he had to speak on it. So um, he's just continued to do that for the last 60 years, over 60 years. And just a beautiful, wonderful, wonderful person. You know, when someone says they're humble, you usually have to watch out for them because you don't have to say what you are. It shows. Noam Chomsky never has to say he's humble. He just is. He just is. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. It was a pleasure and an honor. And I told him we got to do it again. So <laughs> I'm not sure if it's time will allow, but um, I feel like I walked out of there with a friend. I really do. I feel like I walked out of there with a friend. Um, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And um, he emailed me shortly after that and said he enjoyed it. And um, thanks for the gift and that kind of, but you know, the, the, the thanks goes to you, Mr. Chomsky, because um, you are truly, truly, truly an inspired individual. And um, I don't know where that comes from. I don't want to get all religious or whatever, but whatever put us here, put something special in Noam Chomsky. I'll leave it at that. Whatever people want to believe or don't believe, 
That's your business. But whatever put us here, the big boom, God, whatever you want to call it, they made something special when they made Mr. Noam Chomsky. Peace. Thanks for listening. I hope you got something out of this. Have a wonderful day. Happy holidays. And um, do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. You have a dream, run after it. Don't let anybody stop you. Peace.